Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Geomologist Presents. I'm going to do something a little different to this episode. This is going to be the final episode of 2021, and it's going to be the state of the Geomologist Lab. I want to go over all the games that I'm running, where they stand, what might the plans be for them, and adding to that, I will talk about future plans and future games. I have this large list on the Discord, and maybe I'll go through that as well. There's a couple call-ins here and there from Jason Connerly that kind of work with the flow of what I want to talk about. So, um, yeah, it should be pretty fun. It might be pretty long. I'm going to try to be as succinct as possible. But, uh, yeah, man, let's, uh, let's get at it. look at the number of ongoing games that I run, I realize that I'm running eight different games. That's a lot. Are they all doing well? Well, let's talk about them and find out. The first game that I have here on my list is a Twilight 2000 game. Twilight 2000 is a post-apocalyptic world set in the World War III that never happened. Uh, there's some changes in the timeline whereby Glasnost never occurred. The coup that was attempted against Mikhail Gorbachev and Boris Yeltsin was successful, and the old guard took back over in Russia. Things escalated with the U.S., and there was a cold war es uh, exploded into a hot war, uh, focusing on Europe and other places. There is a limited nuclear exchange, and that's where we are. The players, well, there are a group of survivors and refugees fleeing from the Battle of Kalitz in Poland, which was a counteroffensive attempted by the German 3rd and U.S. 3rd Army and the U.S. 5th Division. It didn't go so well. There was more opposition than Intel had suggested, and the, for, the forces, the Western NATO alliance forces were scattered. So the players have been going for like two weeks through the countryside from Kalitz to the city of Krakow, which is supposed to be a Casablanca, a place where you can buy anything, a place maybe a refuge in the Sea of Storms um, that is is what is occurring in Poland with uh, dis desperate and disparate uh, groups on of both sides, either marauders or actual army elements, uh, military elements that still exist. So I, th I think it's going really well. I have a good group of players. I'm running sort of the Poland tetralogy I believe that's what it's called. Uh, and um, yeah, we'll see if, how far we get in that. I know the players in Krakow, there's a lot of options open. And um, for example, my wife who plays in the game has a list of objectives that her character has. I don't know what if any other players have developed a list. Uh, I guess she lives here in the house and has an advantage, but she actually put the list on the, on the Roll20 for people to see if they are so inclined. So we definitely have some 
potential direction. So I don't think that game's going anywhere unless we all get bored of it or the characters all die uh, suddenly. It can be dangerous depending on uh, the factions that you run into there in Krakow. And after that, we'll see. We'll see if they, um, the way that the kind of tetralogy goes, this is a bit of a spoiler for people maybe, is Free City of Krakow, which is kind of a sandbox, open-ended. There are several missions that can go on in there, but whether the players take those hooks or not, it's up to them. Uh, there are some problems in Krakow that could escalate, and uh, definitely I have a plan for things to be set in motion, whether by the characters or not. So um, after that, uh, apparently they take a job to travel up and down the Vistula. It's called Pirates of the Vistula and deal with issues there. Then they hit the ruins of Warsaw. And after that, there is a, a adventure, classic adventure that has won awards called the, Black, called the Black Madonna, which takes place in southwestern Poland in Silesia along the Czech kind of German border there. And uh, it's supposed to be the recovery of an icon that is important to uh, Polish nationalism. So I, I have an idea. I mean, those could go in order. They could not. It, again, depends on the kind of hooks that the players might have or not. So, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited about the game. It can go in very, numerous directions. The next two games I'm going to talk about are Starfinder and our Pathfinder 2e game. Uh, they run on opposite Wednesdays, so effectively I have a game every week. I run a game every week on the Wednesday. Starfinder, we are running through the horizons of the vast adventure path, or attempting to. It's gotten, honestly, a little slower than I would want um, here's a very quick recap of what happened this past Wednesday when we played. Uh, they did more exploration. They had three encounters. And now that the characters are third level, it seems like now they've kind of almost out-leveled the book as far as like the ex exploration part of it goes. There's some events that can happen in town that are triggered by their exploration, but um, maybe because of the number of random encounters, They've kind of, they're a little in front of the curve, but it, I mean, it's okay. I don't mind seeing competent characters because there was definitely a big difference between second level and third level. It seems like third level, for example, uh, all the player characters can specialize in a particular weapon, so they get bonus damage on their weapons. They get uh, another type of feat or talent that can add to their uh, character's martial prowess or ability. Ability scores, um, not ability scores, but skills. So they get they start becoming more competent. And so we had we had an encounter with some mole beetles. We had an encounter with a fire flower. So they have lightning plants and fire flowers in this world. Um, we had an encounter with a um, a group of skeletal spider goats. Um, so they explored the mountains a lot, and uh, it was good. It, it was a lot of exploration, which I think is good. Uh, they have like a buggy they can drive around. But uh, I, I don't know. I think this game has been plagued just by not everyone being being able to be there on the Wednesday. But at the same time, since there's like a settlement and they kind of go back to base, then it sometimes it doesn't matter if people aren't there. And I just, we really generally don't 
use them as NPCs if, the, if a player is not there. We don't use their character, that is. So um, they kind of fade into the background or are back at the settlement. And I do like the kind of, there's like a domain play involved. There's a settlement phase. And we've only done one. That, see, that's the thing. I feel like we should have gone further along. And then for the number of times we played, maybe we play every other week. And sometimes it's we get more done than other times. It's hard to tell. So um, I feel like, again, this should be further along, maybe even out of the book, or at least to the last part of the book. I would feel like we're about two-thirds of the way done, um, and not quite done with the exploration phase, and having only done like one settlement phase. So they're, they're in their second month of the colony. And um, yeah, so that is a particular game that well, we'll see how, how the interest continues. If it does, it is a potential game that could drop or fade and uh, in lieu of something else, or maybe, for example, dealing with or playing more of the the second game that I run the Wednesday. So the opposite Wednesday of Starfinder is our Pathfinder 2E. It is also an attempt to run an adventure path that is published by Paizo. That is the Abomination Vault, somewhere in the ruins of Godlight. And that one also has been like, like it has just been, not everyone always shows up and and we're also playing with Fantasy Grounds and every other week there's sometimes some not some technical difficulties because Fantasy Grounds runs well, but it's a learning curve. And it's sometimes I we remember, sometimes we don't. Um, maybe we'll get better at it. And maybe as some suggestion has gone, it might be better to play every week. Um, if every if every Wednesday doesn't work, then Wednesday one week, Tuesday another. But then that would entail, I think, I would need a break. Like right now, I don't have a game on Tuesday opposite Twilight 2000, and that would break a day. Or maybe what would happen is, like, I'd have a Tuesday off one week and a Wednesday off the other because of flip or something like that. So um, that's a possibility. I do like Abomination Vaults. It's a cool, the more I read through it or reread it again, it's a cool story, and I like hearing what the characters speculate is going on um it may or may not be true um so we'll see i, I do enjoy that game again i mean the game the players always make the game and again it's going to be to me uh how much interest there is in a continued play a continuing game so um i i feel like i have some dedicated players and it's just the holidays and weird work schedules that come up that has made me think that this game is not working um but it, when we have played it's been pretty good i i think we just need to be a bit more disciplined like start time finish time and get a good solid you know three hours in and that could partly it's my fault but uh but well you know we'll see got to be more dedicated and more diligent when it comes to these wednesday games i believe One of the strongest games that I have going is my Warhammer Fantasy role-playing game. And we're playing through the enemy within. And I feel that game is pretty is very strong. Our players really enjoy coming, even after a hard day at work. Even if they have come down with the sickness, they remote in. So it seems we have a very strong and dedicated group of players. So we're in the second book of a five-part series. This is the Enemy Within campaign, the classic campaign that was done for 1E and 2E. 
uh, sort of done for 3E, but very different uh, in its scope and plot. But uh, the fourth edition version is a, a very much of a revamping, much like the new masks of Nirlarthotep seventh edition Call of Cthulhu version is for previous editions. And what I it definitely has, uh, what I think is cool, it's very open-ended. Sure, there are things that might happen. Chaos will do what chaos does if the players don't intervene, but they can get to the end game in a particular adventure in many different ways. And, there were de- and I would say that Death on the Reich, the one we're currently playing, playing is very much open-ended and a kind of a sandbox down up and down the various river systems in the Empire and the Old World in the Warhammer fantasy setting. So we're really enjoying it. Um, we may, after this book, The Death on the Reich, I guess maybe the advantage of this game, uh, not to ramble or emphasize this point, the, the thing is we play this game live at our local gaming store, which is Dragon's Lair in San Antonio at the Medical Center, and we have a room, we hang out. At times we go next door to the, the kind of sports bar to have a beer after and, and decompress and debrief uh, the game, talk about it, talk about other games. So uh, we de- and definitely a group of friends that game as opposed to a gaming group who are not friends. And I think that's what has helped uh, keep this game alive and exciting. We did talk about having taking a break, though, maybe a sort of a palate cleanser in between Death on the Reich and Power Behind the Throne, which is the next installment. And let me see, if I look back on my shelf, I do have Power Beyond Behind the Throne in print, so that will not be an issue. I also have it, um, uh, Dragon's Lair San Antonio is part of the, has, has subscribed to the Bits and Mortar programs that various uh, gaming companies have, so you buy the, the physical product at the store, and you can get the PDF as a download. Uh, they send you a code. Um, and I have taken advantage of that. I, don't, I hope I'm not the only one at the store that does that. It's a very neat program, and it really helps to get brick and mortars, you know, some business in selling these games as opposed to direct order from Amazon. Because you definitely don't get the PDF through Amazon, right? So um, it's pretty cool. The, the palette cleanser, we talked about uh, what they wanted to do is kind of straight vanilla D&D and... What we decided on, someone threw out an idea, let's do Ravenloft, but Ravenloft starts at third level, but I, but some players, more than not, want the first and second level experience as they make their way as uh, baby heroes in a D&D 5e game. So uh, we thought about, well, what's the alternative? Well, let's do this um, Salt Marsh thing. I've heard that you can get to Ravenloft through Salt Marsh... Uh, it's dubious at best. I can think of ways that I'm not going to share here because it would be fun to have sprung on the players if I do decide that. But at the very least, we're going to kind of do one level or one adventure um, in Salt Marsh and then come back to Warhammer Fantasy or stay in Salt Marsh, just depending. But I guess the group is going to be continuous at least. And we meet every other Thursday. I don't know if that will become more regular or often, but uh, I think they like the every other Thursday in general. It gives them time to do something else on the off Thursdays. And I think what is kind of neat, it's something I did uh, listen to on Shay Webster's Roleplay Rescue, his latest um, GM journal. And he talked about uh, when a group is not playing, 
then, or maybe this was, anyway, this is one of his, one of his more recent podcasts. Anyway, when a group is not playing, it's still very good and healthy for the group. Uh, even when the GM is not there, they're not playing the game that is scheduled to get together. And this guy, these guys did have done that. When I've gone out of town for, for work, uh, they've met and they've played board games or done something else. So I think that's pretty good and very healthy for this group. So I don't see this group or this game going anywhere in the future. Like I said, we might take a break uh, to play like a, a short adventure. Maybe I'll do the Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh Um the classic uh, adventure that's set there that's been redesigned for fifth edition. Uh, but I have, I know I have copies of both somewhere uh, either as a PDF that I kind of got off the drive through as well as the uh, ghosts of salt marsh um, D and D five B product. So you know, it lo looks like that's what we're going to do. Uh, players are already rolling up their characters. There's some, I think like as a GM, I need to be more, more how can i say take more take better ownership of the games that i run and that i want to run and this is a way i'm going to run the game and not kind of give in sometimes to like player complaints so you know um that sometimes is an issue generally speaking for the warhammer fantasy game it has not been but i can already tell there might be some dissension on some decisions, um, even on character creation for this D&D uh, &D 5e game. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I could just scrap it and say, well, I know we talked about having a palette cleanser, but let's just jump into power behind the throne. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, uh, good, solid Thursday group. That's not That game's not going anywhere, or that group isn't at least. <laughs> Another game that is not going anywhere. It seems like a very dedicated group, although we haven't met in a month because of the holidays, is my DCC fantasy game, Echoes of Fomalhaut. I enjoy this game because it seems like it's an easy prep. I know right now we're going through a dungeon, but even if they decided to go somewhere else and out of the castle that they're in, it wouldn't matter because I kind of have an idea of the burst that they're in, although it can change. It is malleable. The players may or may not know or think they know what is going on, but uh, that's okay. It's a really fun group. I really enjoy DCC Fantasy. I'm liking that we are playing like at fifth level, and now the player characters are sixth level. That's going to be hella cool when we play again, uh, how that's going to go. And I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. It's a, a dedicated group. It's a group that also, I think, the the longevity of their group or the viability of the group lies in the fact that even if one player showed up, we could probably run it. Uh, there have been a couple times where two players have showed up, and it's been fine. <laughs> so, so it's just uh, you know standard D and D. Uh, 3.5 engine-ish with DCC. I've really enjoyed DCC. And, and you know, even if we've... We even were able to do like a flashback uh, for an event for one time when some players weren't there and we really wanted one player to be there, but uh, they weren't able to make it. And we did a flashback using 
a free RPG day adventure. I think it was a mummy's tomb, the savage, savage mummy's tomb or something like that, um, which is a homage to the mo- the Boris Karloff, the mummy movie. And the players really enjoyed it. It was one of the better, uh, better sessions of DCC we've had. And I would be willing, even if this kind of sort of adventure path that we're on or adventure, it's not even an adventure path. It's like, I step through a portal and this is what happened. Well, if you step back through the portal and go to another portal, something else will happen. And that is highly possible in the verse that I have come up with. And uh, if you, so I guess for a hint, the Fombahalt system is a trinary system. And uh, so there is, it's an interesting trinary system. So the Fomalhaut designation Alpha Pisces Astrini is the brightest star in the constellation of Pisces Astrini, the southern fish. It's one of the brightest stars in our sky. It's a class A star on the main sequence. It's about 25 light years, 7.7 parsecs away from us. And um, yeah, it's, it's an anchor from which other stars are classified just as a side. But it's very interesting. So it's classified as a Vega-like star. It has excess infrared radiation. Uh, surrounded by a circumstellar disk. You can look it up. It looks like a blinking eye. It's very bizarre. And there's a K-type main sequence star, which is Pisces Astrini, and M-type, and an, a red dwarf, LP87610. So it consists of a triple system, even though the companions are, sub- are pretty well separated. So, um, so you know, what I've done is, like, this echoes from Fomalhaut, all these planets that they're visiting or the planet that they're on might be around the main sequence, but the planet that they came from might be, might have been around the red dwarf, maybe. Um, so they're like jumping around this three, a body system, which I think is kind of neat. And that means I can interject anything I really want to, because it, you know, the, there could be a myriad of different planetologies and planet planet ecologies around um, in this system. So why these gates are there, what they mean, are the portals they go through going from world to world, or is it just in one world? They're not sure. Uh, it's definitely like a really kind of neat portal system. I have already established that it might be connected the solar system's planets might be connected through the dreamlands. So, um, yeah, it's a really neat. It's got plenty of room to grow. I'd love to at least take, get these guys to 10th level. Then we'll decide what we want to do, uh, continue on or run some other DCC mini campaign or random DCC adventures. I'd love to, I could do Lankmar. I could do the Chained Coffin. Um, the uh, There's a couple other of the... Dying Earth Kickstarter came out recently. And then there's also the um, other one that just came out. It is the uh, Fred, based on Fred Saberhagen's World Empires of the East. So lots of possibilities for DCC. And uh, hell, we even had a America game that we kind of started and would love to get back into or finish. So I think the DCC fantasy group is not going anywhere. Really enjoy the group. And uh, yeah, 
pretty cool. The last regular game that I'm running is actually a new game. In fact, I've only run two sessions, and one session was mostly character creation. And this game is Jackals. This is Jackals is a Bronze Age fantasy role-playing game published by Osprey Games and written by J.M. Defogi, and it uses the popular Open Quest system. Open Quest being like Rune Quest using a D100 system. But what, it, what I've liked about it so far is that it incorporates this clash point system, making combat very more dynamic than I roll percentile dice and you roll percentile dice and we see if we hit each other or not. It, it, you really give some... It improves the action economy of the combat for sure. And that's mainly where the clash system is involved in. We haven't explored, we're only in the first adventure and they're not even finished with that. We haven't explored other aspects of the long-term play of the game, but I am definitely in it for the haul. And I hope my players uh, continue with me. I have three players right now and I'm still actively recruiting maybe one or two more. We'll see. It, it definitely can be conducive to, hey, if you can come, uh, that'd be great. If not, well, your character fades into the background. That's not a problem. And um, I would hope, and I think as I learn the system better or learn the game better, we can each episode can be self-contained whereby we go out in the wilderness, do our little adventure, come back, and you're in the city uh, doing downtime. And I think that'll work pretty well. So I, I enjoy the game. It's, it def, it's different. It has a different feel than uh, your sort of medieval-ish, renaissance-ish Western fantasy and it's Near East for one, and it's Bronze Age, which I think is very nice and very cool. So, yeah, um, I, I think that's game that's going to be around. So I'm not, I'm very excited about it. And one person who was called in to the Geomologist Presents said that it's the most excited he's heard me talk about a game. So, yeah, I think, um, I think I'm going to enjoy running this game for some time. The last two games that I'm running don't really have a set schedule. One of them is played, sometimes it's played every other week, but it just kind of depends. And that is my Sunday night Deadlands game with our Sunday night dinner group. This is a group of friends of mine a couple that Amy and I have known for over 10 years well since their kids were in junior high and now they're graduated from college and are starting their own careers that's kind of crazy but uh, we've only started gaming together recently and the game we settled on was Deadlands and we played played quite a few sessions I would say this year um one some of them were just kind of uh, one shots. Some of them were took a three or four sessions. Um, some of them have been just like we're traveling from point A to point B in our stagecoach, and this is a trouble we run into in this town. And I've just used like the random adventure generation system for Deadlands. Uh, it's in the a new Savage Worlds Adventure Edition of Deadlands, a Squade version. So um, 
Yeah, so we've just started though on a new investigation and adventure, and I'm gonna be running the adventure that is called Horror at Headstone Hill. And it's a published adventure, and we just kind of started it this last weekend, and we'll probably play the second session of it this Sunday. And it probably will last uh, quite a few sessions, I believe. We'll see. The, the, the players are notoriously smart, maybe because they've known me a while. I have too, way too many tells in the game. But they, or they're good at following clues, uh, right? Uh, you know, the older, the wiser, the more you can pick out what a clue is and what is just a red herring. So, um, and this adventure, Headstone Hill, it is, it is kind of like a sandbox version of them traveling overland, and they got to get to the bottom of this mystery, find this missing agent, and see what the hell is going on in this town. So. Um, uh, it's a good game. It's a really good game. And, and actually, this kind of reminds me how much I do like Deadlands and the Suede. Uh, and the Suede rule set. And I played several games this past year using Suede. Um, I've played in uh, Savage Pathfinder games. I have run another Deadlands group, and I've played in a Deadlands game as well. And the other Deadlands group, we kind of ran a, a mini game. And it would be those characters are still around. I still have that roll twenty somewhere. It'd be neat to kind of pick that up. I think we had a lot of fun, and it was a very um, amazing ending to this sort of uh, adventure that I called Burning Kansas. So, so here, you know, this Sunday group they get the benefit of playing Deadlands, and we'll see uh, how that changes and expands if we'll get to a campaign conclusion. And then what we play next, I'm not sure. We, I do have an, a, not an end game, but I would say the players after Headstone Hill, they have a mission. They, wanted, they want to confront Hellstrom, Inc. And um, these are, uh, Hellstrom kind of makes steam, ghost rock powered mechanics, um, mechanical things. They've, they've seen a, a whirly bird. They've seen some quote-unquote robots. Um, they want to have their stagecoach, which probably has some Hellstrom parts, uh, run by itself using Ghost Rock. So um, we'll see. We'll see how this end game goes if they are able to confront the Hellstrom Core Corporation. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I think it's a good campaign. Again, it's, it's not regular. Um, it's a sporadic game. But it's a fun game when we're able to do it. And I would say it has enough traction to call it a campaign. Uh, likewise with the next game I'm going to talk about. Also, really enjoyed the Cthulhu game. Thank you for running that. And I'm really looking forward to Amy joining that sporadic game. I really enjoy playing with Amy. And I'm sad that my schedule didn't let me stick with the Twilight 2000 game. So, hope, so I am looking forward to game with her again because... She's a lot of fun. She really gets into it, and she brings a lot of great energy to the game. So I, I think that's going to be a, a really fun game once we get that going. That's the other game I've run sporadically, and we finally were able to get to a break point. Uh, it's so hard to do sometimes when you run an adventure and you can't finish it in one session. And uh, this is Call of Cthulhu, and I had a good time um, back in 
20, I got it. Yeah, I guess it was 20, was it 2020? Was it that long ago? Yeah, I guess last year in 2020, I ran this mini campaign of Call of Cthulhu Invictus, and it was very cool. And I've been running Call of Cthulhu here and there. I ran for Chaosium at some conventions, but I've been wanting to do like a campaign. And the campaigns that I ran were a sporadic campaign for Jason Connerly and his son, um, the sort of idea of calling that I was calling the Innsmouth look. And then at the same time, in parallel, I was running a solo game, a one-on-one game with my wife, Amy, that was set in Arkham, where she is a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum. Her character is not Amy. Uh, that'd be cool if Amy were a psychiatrist. Then I could just uh, play and write and run games uh, 24-7. Anyway, she is not, but uh, she plays one on TV. But what's cool is we're kind of in between adventures in both of those. And since it's like 1920s Call of Cthulhu, and it's it definitely is more fun to, not that it's not fun playing you know one-on-one with my wife in a Call of Cthulhu game, but it's kind of cool to just have a more of a dynamic and have a fun group. And as you can tell, Jason is pretty psyched to expand the group um, and uh, have her join in on the fun of Call of Cthulhu. So that looks like that that's going to be happening. I don't know if that's an old game or a new game. Maybe it's just a blend of the two that I will be running. And I'm, I'm very excited uh, to have that happen. So, so yeah, those are the, the games that I'm running. <laughs> so what about games that I play in? Whew. <laughs> Really seems that I'm a regular on Kevin Madison's Dungeon Musings channel, and those are two kind of ongoing games that I'm playing in. One is a Ravnica D and D five E game, and one is a game of Cult Divinity Lost that's called Things We Left Behind, taking place in Detroit, Michigan, but also seemingly in. Um, pre-World War One, Eastern Europe. So I'm definitely enjoy those games and will continue to play in them as long as they play out. I'm not sure how long they're going to be since I'm not running them. And the other kind of regular ongoing game that I'm in is um, we have this Thursday night group of audio dungeon discorders that we run games in. And the last game that we played, you can hear the recap in Jason Connerly's episode 301 of Nerds Variety, RPG, Nerds Variety, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And uh, it was DCC Ninja City. It was hella fun. Hey, man, don't forget to pay your tab or the skipped tab dojo will get you. So uh, we had a lot of fun with it. Um, my character... Jason does a great job of giving the recap. I'm not going to add anything else other than the fact that I really enjoyed my my guy, Coach K, who was the gray shadow, who, um, yeah, it was, it was a really fun homage to 1980s ninja movies and action movies in general. We had some good diehard references. We had some 
uh, lots of 80s references. And um, I, I like those kind of games. Again, it's a DCC, fun and gonzo. I played in another game, uh, also on one of those Thursdays that Jason ran that was sort of a Halloween game, but it was also DCC and we're a bunch of teens. I think it was Blackout in Crater Valley or something like that. And uh, that was also very enjoyable. So the other game that I'm playing in that I don't know if it'll be long-term. I think we're doing this one adventure and then when the holidays come up, we're going to try to get together. And that game is a game of Traveler and it is set in the Third Imperium and it is using the GURPS 4th edition rules. Now, while there was a GURPS Traveler using the 3rd edition rules, I don't believe it's been updated, but it's not that hard. And actually, some of the GURPS Traveler product are pretty cool and they put out books that had not been done before and have since been redone by Mongoose Traveler. I think the Swords World book is among them, as is the Solomani Rim. I think they called it Rim of Fire, the GURPS Traveler. And this is the Solomani Front or the Solomani Rim in the new edition. But some book, a book that they put out that was really cool was the um, Nth Inter, the Nth Interstellar, the Interstellar Wars, which is kind of set at the junction between the first and second Imperium of man in the uh, the known worlds in this charted space area. So, yeah, uh, the GURPS put out some great stuff. They have a great track record with Traveler. It's a system that the GM is very comfortable with. So, um, uh, the first session was really fun. We have another session tomorrow to close out the year, and I hope to see it again because I really do like Traveler. So another game that's played opposite of my DCC Fantasy Saturdays is a game also run by Kevin Madison of Dungeon Musings. And this game is Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. And we've taken like a break for the holidays. Maybe we're going to switch to the third edition of the game, the PDFs of, of kind of which came out like last week. But this game, like I said, it's been going on. Maybe I've said it a few times. It'll be three years in January. Three years is a long time, and we've gone from first to seventh level, had a lot of adventures, and it, it looks like it's ongoing. There have been like, I would say, three or four or so dedicated players. Um, it's dropped off from, I think it's at most been like seven people at one time, but um, hopefully it'll pick up as people's schedules ease up in the early, early new year. But it's a very fun game. And uh, I'm going to continue to play that game until Iphigenia Acantadoros, my Amazonian warlock, dies or we reach 10th level. I guess that's when we would conclude the game. I'm not sure. A lot of these games cap out at 10th level, like DCC Fantasy and Astonishing Swordsman and Sources of Hyperborea, now just called Hyperborea. But do you continue afterwards? Are they going to have a book put out for high-level play? I don't know. Does anyone know? And the last game I've been playing with some regularity is a game that is under playtest run by Joe Salvatore of Raven God Games. And this game is Reaver. I definitely, that again is a game dependent on how much Joe wants us to playtest and what he wants us to playtest. 
I play a shaman named Oskold the Lame, and we're definitely having fun with it. And it's I like I like the design process, and I think I get into that a little later on what that means for me. But it's kind of neat being part of this playtest and part of this design process and listening to what you know how Joe shares his thought process on and what why he's making these decisions and you know the documents he shares and how he changes it and how we kind of talk about what happened in the session and what worked and what didn't so i'm really enjoying this game and uh yeah reaver um hopefully i think he said he's almost done with the layout for the quick start so hopefully that'll be coming to a drive through rpg near you very soon and I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to continuing to help Joe play test and maybe design some or maybe and maybe just play test. Who knows? Hey, Carl, Jason here. Listener, Seek and Destroy episode. The song was Seek and Destroy. It was a cover of Metallica by Carl. So hopefully that that's my entry into your contest. And I am calling in for Benny. Is far. I only made about 35 minutes into your show on the way to work. I'm going to have to listen to the rest on the way home tonight. So I'm at the beginning of your recap of Kevin Madison's weird game. But I, I wanted to say, I, I mentioned this on my podcast, but I'll reiterate it here to help swell your head just a little bit bigger. I think it's really cool that as crappy as it is that we had to cancel Pathfinder 2, you still use that time for gaming stuff. So I, I, I think that dedication is awesome. I wish I was a little more dedicated in that manner. So very cool there. Um, maybe you can slot that Traveler game you generate characters for in that Thursday night group, the opposite Thursday that, that where the group's kind of falling apart. So that might be an option for that. But talk to you later. And almost by design, Jason gives me a good transition into the last part of the show. What does the future hold? Right? I'm. It seems either running or playing some 12 games right like 12 games so do i need to add any more and what about that list that i came up with so i have this list on my on the audio not the audio dungeon discord in the gmologist lab discord and how have i done on this list is this list going to expand am i going to add anything to the 12 games I run or play in. And that's aside from one-shots that come up sporadically here and there. Maybe Jason is right. Maybe that Thursday slot should be dedicated to another game. I don't know. So I have this list. It consists of 23 games that I'd like to play or run. And um, yeah, I think I've only crossed one of them out. And that was entry number nine, which was a DCC campaign set in Fallmalt or using a mega dungeon. And I'm kind of doing that as a regular campaign now. But um, so let's go. Let's see if are these viable? <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I have something like them. Hard to say. So number one was a Harn game set in Kaldor using the Riddle of Steel. So I have a really good idea for a Harn game set in in. Kaldor, which is a medieval uh, kingdom on the island of Harn. They are nominally good, and the main churches are the churches of Lorani and Halea, which are 
good for you know a church that generally does good things. So um, will I use Arn Master System or Riddle of Steel? GURPS is also a possibility as I learn the game. Who knows? Number two was an Evinian, it's a Harnwell Scandinavia-themed game in the Viking country of Rugna, which is kind of a, uh, if Iceland were a bunch of pirates, in a way. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool setting. I've, I have the supplements, and I just need to read them and have an idea, kind of follow the, the kind of track. See, usually I do things spontaneously, and that's not always the best thing. It's better to lay down tracks of ideas for games or even game sessions, kind of like what Kevin Madison does for his uh, dungeon musing stuff or what I've, I'm seeing that Shea Webster does when he runs games for, um, for in his various systems that he runs. So um, that might be the best thing to do. I have some ideas for that too. These are all just kind of ideas and I'm just kind of riffing here and we'll see how far this goes. So what about, uh, here we go, a Savage Worlds game set in the after or any other post-apocalyptic setting. I have quite a few of those. I have the after, uh, I, I, all of these are like suede, right? So the after, Broken Earth, The Devil's Run. Um, shoot, even Wise Guys could be set in post-apocalyptic Las Vegas, which might be interesting. But um, that's number three. A Call of Cthulhu epic. Children of Fear or Masks of Nalarthotep. Nalarthotep, however you pronounce that. Um, who knows? Who knows uh, if that's going to happen? We're playing this Call of Cthulhu game. Does that fit the bill for this Call of Cthulhu epic? I don't know. I've, I've read through Children of Fear. It looks really good. And I wouldn't mind running that as well. It's just finding the people, right? So Pulp Cthulhu epic. I'm actually playing in the Two-Headed Serpent. But maybe Cold Fire Within or Auction Cthulhu would be kind of cool to do uh, with that. I just uh, um, I'm gonna I just purchased the uh, 2D20 Auction Cthulhu from Modiphius. We'll see when that comes and what I want to do. I have played in in a one shot of that, or nominally a one shot. I don't know if it's gonna blow up into a campaign uh, run by by Kevin Madison, but uh, we'll see. That's four and five, six a Delta Green campaign, Whew. right? I have. I think that's something, this is kind of not an aside, but I think that's something I want to be more disciplined about in the future. I I have some games that I kind of have outlines for written down for conventions, and one of them is a Delta Green game. Um, I even have the title. It's called Emergency Stent. But, and I've run it kind of the first half of it, sort of, at a con that we had. And... Um, yeah, I'd need to get on that to kind of codify it and, and put that down and, and run some Delta Green. I, I enjoy uh, modern conspiracy and horror, and Delta Green would, to me, fit that bill. So what about more COC? <laughs> a Dark Ages campaign for Call of Cthulhu, maybe set in the Middle East or Eastern Europe. Um, that might be kind of neat. I've had fun with some Dark Ages Cthulhu set in that place, and um, there is a in this one magazine kind of call a Cthulhu magazine. It's called uh, Bite, Bite, B-A-Y-T, Bite Al-Azif. There's an adventure set in, I think it's, I want to say Damascus. It's set in the Middle East, 
and it looks it's it's pretty cool adventure for Call of Cthulhu, uh, Dark Ages, and um, it might be neat to run a small campaign in that. So five uh, E stuff, a rhyme of the Frost Maiden. I have like a really nice um, kind of set of that. I think it's a Beetle and Grim Silver edition, and I. It has a lot of neat props. It'd be cool to get that to the table. Um, a Hyperborea campaign. Um, I would think, well, I wanted to run something like Caverns of Thracia, where you had sort of a Fort Thunder or a fort on the edge of the of a jungle wilderness. And uh, there's this ruin that you heard of and you know of. There's beast men and degenerate men in the jungle vying for control. That's aside from the civilized, quote-unquote, that live in the palisaded uh, fort on the coast. And uh, it'd be kind of neat to run that using the Hyperborea rule system um, and using the Caverns of Thracia product that is written by Janelle Jacques. And uh, yeah, it's a cool scenario with a Greek mythological background. Totally works in Hyperborea. A large dungeon complex that you can go backwards and back and forth from. Um, I think it'd be pretty neat. I feel like there was a, or there's going to be a Kickstarter for that soon here, or maybe it was for the Dark Tower. I know they were doing the Dark Tower 5e, and uh, Necromancer Games was doing that. So um, we'll see what the future lies for those old Judges Guild products, which I think are, are very cool. So um, what else I got on the list here? That's only like halfway done. A Traveler campaign. So I've talked about it. I've been able to get down some characters, set up the roll 20 for a at least a one-shot of Deep Knight Legacy, and maybe that can blossom into Deep Knight Revelations. And, and in, a, in a way, like Jason's encouraging me somewhat by telling me that it was cool to sit down and make those characters. So I'm already playing in a Traveler campaign. It's good to get into that feel of it and fun to play and kind of listen to how another GM interprets the verse so it can give me ideas and, and bolster my own presentation of the Traveler verse in that campaign. So I'm currently running a Warhammer Fantasy 4th Edition game, and I thought of an illustrious colonization in my own thing. There's some people that are interested. Do I have the time? I don't know. I guess it would be like an online game as opposed to the live game that I run for that I'm running in the enemy within. Is that possible? I, I don't know. Uh, a pirate theme game, maybe 7C. There's also a Corsairs of Cthulhu product that just came out from the Kickstarter. Um, people aren't too keen on the 7C verse, but it's kind of do the swashbuckling thing. I feel like I, I read the rules and I got it. And then I watched a actual play and it was confusing, and I didn't get it, so I need to reread the rules, reread a quick start, and see how it goes, and understand how it plays before I run it. So here we are at number 14, an Asian adventures game, uh, probably using AD&D products. That was one of my favorite uh, campaigns when I was growing up uh, in high school, and compared to an Al-Kadim campaign, um, I ran a one-shot uh, a couple of years, not my birthday 2021 but my birthday 2020 this year's birthday was twilight 2000 and that's blossomed into a campaign alas the alkandim did not so my number 16 
Coriolis, Mercy of the Icons. I'd like to run that campaign for Coriolis. I enjoyed the game. It was very short-lived. When I ran it, there was some interplayer issues, it seemed. Um, or they didn't like the system. That was probably a combination of both. So it, it kind of uses um, the Mutant Year Zero engine, where, only, where you roll a pool of D6s, only six is a success. And there are horror stories of people rolling 20-something dice and not getting a success, uh, which is really hella unlucky. Um, there is meta currency that you can tap on to take all those dice and re-roll them. Um, and that should get your successes after that, but, but I'm not sure. Uh, similarly, uh, 17 would be a Tales from the Loop or a Thing from the Flood. Um, as you can see, I have a lot of ideas for games. These are just kind of things that I'd like to get to the table one of these days. 18 was a Sharps Rifle-inspired campaign. It could be used in Savage Worlds or GURPS, a Napoleonic. There's a really good Napoleon, Napoleonic War supplement for GURPS that could be translated to the 4th edition. I just need to learn GURPS more, hence the playing in the travel game and learning from the master. So uh, I have a couple Pathfinder Adventure Path games. I don't know. I might scratch those off. I considered Reign of Winter, which is a Pathfinder 1E product, and Agents of Edgewatch, which is a Pathfinder 2E product. But I think we've settled on, maybe we can scratch out 19 and 20, because I'm currently running a Pathfinder 2E campaign, Abomination Vaults. And that kind of goes, it's a shorter campaign. It's only three books. It goes to level 11. But then there's like almost a sequel to that that goes from 11 to 20. So um, that's a possibility. Maybe, maybe not. Um, so, and then uh, Dune campaign is something I've put on there. This is kind of inspired by the movie that just came out, the rereading of the books that I did. I read reread the first three. Um, again, uh, Dune, uh, Dune Messiah and Children of Dune very recently this past year. And it'd be kind of neat to run a Dune campaign. I, I made, I got together with a friend of mine for my previous, uh, work, my previous job. And she got for Christmas, the Dune RPG book. She played, has played D and D, but, uh, is really is a big fan of Dune and, um, got Someone gave me the RPG for Christmas, so she's going to read it, and I guess we have a player, or two or three. Uh, she would like for me to run a campaign if she grocks it, if she likes it. I kind of gave her some ideas today, um, so pretty neat. So there's there's a game called Wrath and Gloria, which is Glory, which is the descendant of um, Dark Heresy and Death Watch and only war and those games that were done by fantasy flight and now a different company has them i believe i believe cubicle seven got them so wrath and glory is a, a game that's kind of a blend of all three of those it'd be cool to run a mini campaign but even more so i think there's a game called soulbound which is role playing in the age of sigmar which is right the old world blew up this kind of floating things in space happened and there are now people fighting for the territory and against chaos on these islands in space. I guess that's the age of Sigmar. It's a high powered, you know, 40 K kind of, I don't know if it's techno fan. It's not 40 K quite. It's still fantasy, but it's like a wow over the top 
epic fantasy type of game. But we played we played a game of Soulbound or tried to run a quick start and we cut through but well, we did a session of the adventure and then it just kind of we got COVID fatigued and didn't didn't I don't know, we there's a there's a se- section maybe at the beginning of summer spring summer 2021 where we were just like couldn't figure out what to play <laughs> and we finally settled on this is my thursday live group we finally settled on warhammer fantasy when things opened up and we haven't looked back since but we have done soulbound and we enjoyed it and that could be instead of wrath and glory maybe soulbound and lastly there's this game i've wanted to run for a very a long time and it just it just settling on the rule set reading the rule set and really again, being disciplined and codifying much like a Delta Green campaign or some of the other things or a Harn campaign. I need to do a lot of my own prep and writing as opposed to just playing a published adventure. And I think that's kind of maybe what I want to evolve to. If I can get this werewolf forsaken Viking Age game out, I think that will be a big, not a big weight off my shoulders, but I think a milestone and an accomplishment because it's something that's really not there. There's some ideas here and there in some published products, but there's no like adventure path or set of adventures. And I'd have to kind of design it and design the adventures and figure out the story on my own. And I think that's a, that's a big deal. I'm, I'm a, I guess a competent GM. Maybe the geomologist is a little conceited, but, uh, I got to I want to design more I think. And um yeah, I think that's what uh what the future will hold. As long as well as something else I want to do is read more. I haven't been as scholarly as I can be these last 3 months. It's a new job that's not really very much science um really. I'm in a biotech company, but I don't do a lot of science or not as much science as I used to. I still review, I've been able to review some articles for some journals, but I haven't like done the science, written the grants, written manuscripts. Um, and I need to get more scholarly, I think, in the year. And that includes being more scholarly as a GM, prepping more, reading more, reading the fiction associated with these games more, um, and reading his, history. And, and uh, I have a friend of mine who gets up in the morning and before work, he reads for a couple hours, and maybe that's something cool to do. Uh, exercise, you know, go out walking, but also exercise your mind, you know. Um, so that's it. That's a state of the GM's lab, and um, yeah. So anyway, uh, this has gone on some. I'm splitting this into two parts, so you can hear part one and part two. Part one was the games that I'm running. Part two is the games that I played and the future. So thank you so much for listening. Hey, this is kind of a cool experiment. I started back Memorial Day. I'm pretty happy with it. I, I, you know, I have learned some new techniques and tools in this recording dig, shindig. Um, I've gotten some music. I have someone working on art. Um, And it's going to be bigger and better next year. So Thank you to my listeners. Thank you to the callers that call in continuously. And um, yeah, thank you again, TJ Drennan, for the music. 
And uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Have a safe and happy new year. Have fun, but be safe, and we'll see you next year. Take us out, TJ.